Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Azure Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and our guest this week is Jason Nees with the OSV Institute. Jason, how you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing thanks great. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to see you face to face. I understand that that's a rare treat for you because <laughs> you started a job in February of 2020 and you were in the office for a little bit and have been remote ever since. So tell me a little bit about what that's been like. It's interesting. It's interesting. I think that I'm not alone in uh, living through this new remote world. It seems like a lot of uh, places are going that way. But it was very interesting to start in February of 2020. Um, end of February, be in the office for about three weeks. I got yeah. through some kind of the standard orientation yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then got the we all got the email that starting tomorrow we're working from home because of uh, this pandemic. So it's been it's been an interesting transition into meeting new people and learning the company. Yeah. Um, from you know without where that's one of the instances where the the hallway talk is really nice where you can just meet somebody, find out their history, and you learn from that. Yeah, for sure. So how have you adapted to that? How have you built relationships with your coworkers without having, you know, the same office environment? I, I mean, really just trying to, I think one of the things that virtual is doing is it kind of gets you into business talk really quick, because mm -hmm. I think you just feel like, all right, we're here, we're on, we're on this Teams meeting, that's yeah. what we need to do. Um, so I think just really trying to do that same thing, just starting off conversations casually and, 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 you know, getting to know each other a little bit better. Because again, like I said, I think that's where you can learn a lot yeah. as people start to talk about past roles they have and why yep. they were there and what they learned in that role. You can learn the company better that way and the people you're working with. Yeah. So, so how has that been for you? And I, you know, I've, I've given up on trying to find common threads. I think it's different for everyone, but how has remote work worked for you? It's, it's going really well. I, I, you know, well, I, I answered this question in that it was really odd at first, right? I feel like when you're kind of forced into it yeah. and and I'm probably telling a very similar story, but I started off working from home. I mean, really, we had heard some buzz about it. Mm -hmm. And then it was ultimately, okay, starting tomorrow, this is official. So yeah. it was carry my laptop home, slap it on a card table yeah. um, with an uncomfortable chair and figure it out. Yeah. Um, and so I had worked, you know, from home in, you know, randomly throughout the years, but it was always just sitting on your couch and doing something. But when I wanted it to be a little bit more permanent, so that's what got odd. And, I, and then it was just as that drug along, figuring out at what point is this really going to get permanent? And do yeah. I need to do a little bit more? And and just the simple stuff like a desk that felt yeah. more like a, an office and a chair that, you know, didn't kill your back and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But, but I think that once it got to the point where, you know, because we've decided now we're going to be hybrid. So we've got mm -hmm. certain days in the office, yep. certain days out. So once we got to that point where we knew it was long term, I could start to make those moves to, to bring it into more of a comfort zone yep. of this is where I go to work versus, you know, where I'm living. Yeah. So so if you don't mind sharing, what's the arrangement? Are there certain days when everybody's in? Is it just, you know, based on individual preference? Yeah, it's really departmental. Um, yeah. We actually just signed a new uh, hybrid work policy where they okay. worked in you. You just, uh, you know, it's the manager of your department. We're deciding what to do. Yep. So hours within the Institute, we are meeting um, one day a week in the office. Um, others as needed, um, mm -hmm. or even outside of the office if needed. We if we meet on, um, you know, we we work in Huntington. All of us live in Fort Wayne, so yep. occasionally a Panera meeting is much sure. more convenient sure. for a couple hour in person uh, discussion. Yeah. Um, but we are one day on the off in the office. We're actually converting one of our three offices now into more of a whiteboard strategic room, a uh -huh. little more comfortable. So yeah. with the intention of when we're there. 
Um, we're not co-working, but we are whiteboarding, making decisions, break off, go execute, come back, touch base, yeah. you know, innovate some more. Well, it sounds like you're leveraging the best of both. I mean, it's, you know, when, when you need collaboration and you need multiple brains in the same room, you can do that. And when you need to get stuff done and avoid interruptions, you can do that. Yeah. One of the things we've joked about as we started to talk is what, what will this new world look like is... I'm not going to go back and sit in my office alone and work anymore. Yeah. I can do yeah. that here. Yeah. It's, you know, and uh, again, we live in Fort Wayne offices in Huntington. It's a 40 minute drive. So yeah. it's safer. I'm saving sure. time. Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, there's just things that don't make sense that we just did out of habit. Yeah. We used to do out of habit. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's, it's an advantage to have that option. So I applaud your company for leveraging, you know, what's, what's good about it and also giving people the opportunity to work together in a collaborative space. So we are we are at the present, but we're going to back way up sure. and talk about your career path, because as I think you know, on this podcast, we talk about marketers' career path, we talk about their organizations, we talk about the projects we're working on. So let's start with career path. My understanding, this is actually before my time, and I've been here for a while, but you were actually an intern. Was it in at Asher in this building, or were you down the street in the gray house? Um, I think think it was down the street. <laughs> there, it's not ago. very far, right? It yeah. was also on Wayne. So yeah. I, I think it was down the street because I think I remember um, from a friend that worked here at the time when you moved that it was shortly after, but yeah. I, I could be wrong on that. Honestly, it feels like so long ago. All right. So, so take us through, you grew up in Fort Wayne and you went to St. Francis. Uh-huh. What did you study in it? Did you always know what you wanted to do? That's the first question. And then how did you move into the career path from there? Yeah, it's, I mean, always know what I want to do, I think, in a sense, right? I always knew I was always interested in art. I was always, mm -hmm. just as a kid, just sketching, drawing. Yep. Um, you know, I think back to kind of my earliest thoughts of, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? It was an animator. Mm -hmm. I, there was something about, you know, watching movies and, you know, back Disney movies were very popular mm -hmm. then and still are, of course. But it was that animation and just drawing cartoons and stuff. And there was something that always intrigued me with that. And it's funny, as I look back, I think that one of the things I realized that intrigued me about that is the mix between art and technology. And that's one of the things that um, really has drawn me to what I'm doing now. Um, so, you know, I started with that, but I, I got into... At, I went to high school at Northrop and with actually um, with Park Gender was mm -hmm. my baseball coach uh -huh. and art teacher, okay. uh, which was interesting. And he started a computer art class and mm. invited a handful of people to do that that he knew were interested. And that's what got me hooked, really, okay. um, using, um, you know, Adobe Photoshop, early versions yeah. of Adobe Photoshop to just create art. Um, and, you know, that turned into page layout and different forms of, you know, mixed media. So that's really where it all started. Okay. Um, I went to St. Francis, got a degree in computer art, multimedia design. So, so I really, I mean, again, uh, there's kind of a trend of like, I wanted to try a little bit of everything. So mm -hmm. just having an uh, understanding of how animation worked, how photography, how videography, yep. um, graphics, um, and that's where that's where it all started. All right. So talk about you, you do a little internship with Asher and then where do you go from there? What's your first real job, if you will? And then how do you progress from that point? Yeah, my junior year at um, at St. Francis, actually, um, I landed an internship with International Truck and Engine. Okay. So probably more commonly known as Navistar, but yep. it was International when it was here in Fort Wayne, where the uh, design center was. Yep. Um, actually, through a connection with Alan Knotts at mm -hmm. St. Francis, yep. I got that internship. Um, did that for 
a little longer than a summer and actually got hired full time there as a contractor before I graduated. Oh, wow. Okay. So which was great as a college senior, not have to worry about that, but also, you know, taking night classes and working full time. I mean, yeah. they were very flexible with me, but I was still yeah. had the job to do. Yeah. Um, so puts for about the last a, six months, it was a, a cramp in your yeah, senior, yeah. Co- senior in college style. Yes. Yeah. 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 True. But, but it was good to know and I enjoyed the job. So it was fine. So I got started doing that as a graphic designer. That's really, as I went through, you know, that's kind of been my passion and, and kind of the, the skill that um, I've always honed in on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started off there as a graphic designer, very interesting job. Um, you know, if you, we, we, I was in the industrial design department, so we were designing the new trucks. Okay. Um, so I was wow. doing gauge cluster graphics and, you know, anywhere from large, really cool illustrations that go, uh, uh, you know, vinyl applied to the outside of a truck to, you know, the seatbelt icon that lights up when you forget to put your seatbelt on those wow. get designed. Wow. Um, so, so are you doing that using what would now be the Adobe creative suite? Are you using CAD or are you using how you do? I that? used Adobe. I okay. used Adobe. Um, there was a, a team of industrial design engineers yeah. that would transfer anything I did that needed to become, you know, as example, there's the name badges that you see that are in Chrome that are on the mm-hmm. back of every car and yeah. on the side of every truck. I would create that. Um, in 2D and Illustrator and then work with them to work on the curves and the reflections uh-huh. and so okay. forth to get it into a 3D form. Wow. Okay. So they're almost re-engineering from a realistic design. Right. Huh. That's pretty great. All right. So you're Navistar and you're doing truck design stuff. How long are you there? And then where do you go from there? I was there for a couple years. Um, and then ended up with a company called Franklin Electric here in town um, as a graphic designer there. And that was uh, back in 2006. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So walk us through the the rest of the story from 2006 until now. Yeah. So I got I got with Franklin. It's a, a great company. Um, again, doing design work mm-hmm. um, on a team, an in-house, basically an in-house agency team, um, and really just kind of progressed in in my uh, career there from being a graphic designer into a role that was developed that was media and technology manager. Um, so really bringing social media, uh, video, okay. some kind of new yeah. new marketing trends, yeah. you know, at that point into what we were doing, trying to start to step out of the simple print catalogs and, and sure. so forth, putting a little more attention to what we did with websites and, and starting to grow that. Um, from there, kind of jumped from that role back into managing the team of graphic designers. Okay. Um, and then that ultimately led into um, with the role that I had the majority of the time was director of corporate communications, which was okay. running that in-house agency team. Oh, wow. Um, that was designers, events planning, um, web developers, and photography, videography. We did really all of it in-house. It was a pretty incredible team. Still is. They're still yeah. doing great work. So Yeah. So so you had no prior supervisory or management experience coming into that job. Is that true? Correct. So what was that like? Because, you know, we, uh, I've had a somewhat of a similar experience in that I was a writer and then all of a sudden... You know, I think some of it is just aging into the role of being a manager, but there's not a lot of prep for it. You're just kind of in the role and you learn as you go. Sometimes. Yeah, ultimately. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I say I didn't have prior manager experience. It's not quite true. I might through high school and college, um, prior to, you know, getting into the marketing career, I worked for pizza hut and uh-huh. I, I was okay. a manager through college at okay. pizza hut. Yeah. And I, I actually, I learned a lot there mm-hmm. about my management style yeah. from being a restaurant manager. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, it's funny, you know, those of us in marketing will know that this is funny. And when I say that the demands of a restaurant are very similar to the demands as high paced and you have to have it done now. And I mean, yeah. marketing can be a very high paced deadline sure. driven and right. And so you learn a lot there. And I, you know, one of the things I think that I learned that I, I have that style now is when you're struggling or an employee is struggling is to, you know, roll up your sleeves and help them, mm-hmm. you know, show that you're yeah. there, show that you can also do it. And, you yeah. know, you're not just speaking the language and just make sure that you are, um, you know, understanding of what they're going through and help them get through it. Yep. Yep. So you're managing a team that's doing a, a lot of different things. Are you doing any graphic design at that point or is, are you I mean, not off? a lot. At that yeah. point, I'm pretty hands off. I mean, again, like I said, I like to roll my sleeves. So there were times when we would hit, you know, bumps in trying to come up with an ad campaign and, and yep. the designer was struggling. And at that point, I had a design manager sure. who was incredible as well. But, you know, there were times when I would just say, you need a break from it. Let me take a look. Let me just see if some different eyes can do something. Other than that, I didn't do much. Um, I would do some executive presentations and so forth, which would include some design. But I I was pretty hands off at that point. Okay. All right. So you're there for, is it 17 years, Franklin? Uh, 13. 13. I don't know where I got 17 (laughs) from. Um, And then you move to OSV. So tell us... What you're doing today, and maybe we'll transition into the the second group of questions. I always knew it as our Sunday visitor. Now it's the OSV Institute. So talk a little bit about how your organization is branded today, how OSV Institute fits into OSV writ large or vice versa. I obviously don't know what I'm talking about, so please yeah, no, save, me, save perfect, me for yeah. myself. Yes. Uh, yeah, um, so our Sunday visitor is what it originally uh, was founded as back in 1907. Mm-hmm. Um, so very long-standing company. Um, and it just recently rebranded to OSV. I think it's you know, kind of, I would think a pretty, that happened just before I started, but I okay. think a pretty standard. I mean, it was getting called that. Sure. Um, and um, it, it just, it seemed like a good transition. So formalizing the acronym yeah, that everybody, so, yeah. Yeah, so the acronym, the company goes by OSV. The the actual news, which is our Sunday visiting originally, the name was because it started off as a newspaper, a weekly okay. newspaper. Yep. Um, so it's more digital now, but the news, sure. if you go to osvnews.com, it's still our Sunday visitor. It has that type of feel still, but the company is OSV. And was it founded in Huntington in 1907? Yes. And I said 1907, it was 1912. 1912. Okay. So <laughs> I, I threw you off when I took your 13 years and turned it into yeah, 17. Yeah, right. I know. It, Math we, is we not our strong We shouldn't even be throwing suit. out dates Absolutely because it's not. all just trying to remember those anyway. No more numbers, just words. <laughs> Okay, so um, tell us a little bit about the organization. What what uh, what happens at the organization? What your role is? What your team looks like? All those good things. Yeah. So so OSV, like I mentioned, started off as a newspaper. It started off with uh, Bishop Noel um, was just looking for new ways to get out the the message, the gospel message, um, and started by with this paper that he got, he got a printing press. The story is he got a printing press sold to him for a dollar, started printing papers um, to just tell the good news, um, combat some of the um, kind of anti-Catholic, anti-Christian talk that was going at the time. And and that's how it started. And it's grown into um, a, a large Catholic serving organization with solution. Our main customer are Catholic parishes. So okay. we actually serve um, uh, back to numbers, but about 15,000 of the 19,000 parishes in the U.S. Oh, wow. um, in, okay. in varying degrees. So I think that, you know, even I, as I knew them for before starting was the paper. Um, 
books. Mm -hmm. uh, We're the largest Catholic publishing company in the U.S., and envelopes. So tithing envelopes ah, okay. um, is is still a major product of ours. Um, and you know we're printing millions of envelopes mm-hmm. a week. Yep. Um, but but it's grown into more of a technology company. We're really offering online giving platforms, um, website templates for parishes, CRMs, church management software for parishes. Um, you know just anything to kind of help a parish run as a company, then as well as consulting services um, and then school curriculum. I mean, there's so many things that we're doing to, to serve that group. Sure. So it's, it's not just a provider by any means, not just a provider of print services and technology services. There's actually content development happening there. Yeah. There's yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's, what's great. What's really nice is, you know, as an example of a a kind of a, a key blend of that is in our website templates, there's a, there's a service that you can add to it that we'll just constantly put on on new content. So, mm-hmm. you know, from a, you know, a parish office that isn't, doesn't have the resources or the time to go out and find this content. Yep. Well, we're doing, you know, news all the time. We sure. can place that content right on there for you. So sure. it's a nice blend of, you know, kind of what we've always done and what we're getting into more now. Sure. So what did you know about the organization coming in the door in February of 2020 and what maybe surprised you about it? Um, I think, you know, I kind of touched on this already, but what I knew was, and honestly, I knew very little. Yeah. I mean, I knew of the paper. Um, I, I knew of actually my days at Franklin interviewing some people, that, some graphic designers that worked there and, okay. and trying to understand, wait, there's a whole, you know, there's yeah. a design team, you know. Yeah. Um, I think it's just more what you, you know, because when, when things are in print, it's more obvious. You see all yeah, these envelopes, sure. you're going to see the logo. You understand that. Mm-hmm. I think it's all the things that go on in the background, especially from a digital technology side that you just don't realize. So yeah. just seeing that, you know, how many of these parishes we were we were working on and how many different solutions we have for them is is pretty incredible. Yeah. So, so what does your team look like? Um, who do you work with? How many are there? And obviously it's, it's a hybrid from an environment standpoint, but what's the what's the work you're actually doing and how does it get done? Yeah, so what I didn't get into, so everything I've talked about so far with OSV, that is kind of the, the core business. Yep. Um, and so OSV is a nonprofit. So we on the OSV Institute side, which is kind of a separate, um, it's definitely a separate department, almost runs as a little separate company, okay. is the philanthropic arm of that. So uh-huh. what we need, you know, of course, to maintain nonprofit status, we're in, and the the purpose, the mission of our our company is to serve the church is we've got to find ways to give back, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that revenue that we're gaining. Um, So for many years, about three years after it was founded, um, Bishop Noel thought, well, you know, he started, as he started to print these things, started to make some money and and said, you know, this isn't mine, I have to give it back. So that's how that, that's how the Institute really started. Um, And since that point for um, you know, until about 2017, which I'll get into here, is the Institute was just a kind of a grant-making organization, mm-hmm. um, finding other people that were doing good things and, and applying for money and giving them grants. So the Institute was, um, I, I mean, ultimately, there I'm sure there are varying levels. I'm sure, you know, I'm still fairly new, so I don't want to say anything incorrectly, but, you know, writing, it was a somebody writing grants yep. and, and giving out money. Um, in 2017, the board decided we want to take a little bit more of a proactive approach to really do something so we feel like we can really impact the church. Um, and um, the first thing they decided to do was put together a committee out of the board, and the committee decided we need a president over the institute. Um, so they hired Jason Shanks, um, who is our president. 
He came in and started to put together some more proactive strategic approach, focusing where these grants that will only grant things that are within certain initiatives that we really think the church needs to um, to kind of prosper. And in that, he started to develop outside uh, resources mm-hmm. and decided, I need uh, to start to build our own team because we're starting to do some good things. So out of that, so Jason Shanks is the president. Um, actually, on the same day, back in February 2020, he hired me to handle marketing and Matt Smith um, to do strategic alliances. So we're building a lot of partnerships with different organizations that we are granting money. In, and Matt came on to really, um, while I was out to market what we were doing, Matt came on to build those relationships and start to foster them in different ways. Okay. So what does that work look like for you? How are you spending your time? So it's uh, right now, it, one of the things that intrigued me, um, you know, besides my Catholic faith and what we were doing to serve the church, one of the things that intrigued me was getting in on kind of the ground floor of something new. Yeah. Um, so where I went from leaving Franklin with a team of about 15, yeah. now I'm a marketing team of one. Yeah. Um, now we're starting to build. I'm actually currently hiring somebody. So it's, you know, that, that idea of being in on the ground floor of something new um, that intrigued me, it's starting to grow. So is this a position that you have prospects and you're imminently going to hire someone or is it still looking for candidates? Um, uh, we, somewhere in the middle there. Okay. Can- so the, the resume clo- is not closed, or the resume application is not closed, um, but I've got some interviews lined up with yeah. some good candidates. So yeah. so we'll see, but um, we are right in the heart of it at the moment. Okay, all right. Um, so you will double the size of your team. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, again, being in on the ground floor, and really, I, you know, I told you, I, I hinted to earlier, I like to get my hands dirty, yeah. right? And so this kind of gave me the opportunity, and I was a good fit for this role mm-hmm. in that you know, back to my background and everything I've touched, I I, I knew a little bit about all of it. So yeah. I could come in sure. and start doing any and everything. So, yeah. I mean, I'm doing, which again, I love, I'm doing the design work. Mm-hmm. I'm doing um, uh, website maintenance. I'm doing con- copywriting. I'm yeah. doing PR. We're working with a couple outside sure. um, groups as well that just relationships that were already established, but I'm able to do a lot of that on my own. And, and, you know, it took about a year to figure out, okay, here's what makes sense. Here's where we need some help. Yep. Um, and, and here's where we're running out of bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what are some of the major projects? Obviously hiring someone is a project unto itself, mm-hmm. but what are some of the other things that are taking up the majority of your headspace, taking up your time, maybe keeping you up at night, maybe getting you excited, maybe all of those things combined. Yeah. So when, um, to jump back to kind of where I talked about, we were a proactive approach. We rebranded mm-hmm. in January of this year from OSV Institute to OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation, really okay. putting a focus on here's what we're going to do. And what that is, is going out and just finding new ideas, mm-hmm. right? There's, we're, we're called to, to minister and evangelize and, and, you know, not to speak bad about the grants that we were giving, but a lot, a lot of them were great stuff, but very not scalable, not really sustainable. They were very local impact. Sure. So we're looking for new ideas that really could make a difference in the landscape of the Catholic Church. So our focus is there. And and one of the reasons we we found, which is I'm leading into one of the projects, is the OSV Challenge. So one of the things Jason did just before we started is started this thing called the OSV Challenge. And that was just a call for new ideas. Um, and we found that you know, it, it's a it's a real nod to marketing in that from taking an approach of there's a board grant approval process, you know, cycle. And if you have to your application in by this point, we'll, we're granting money depending to, you know, apply now for a chance at a hundred thousand dollar prize. Yeah. 
it's just ultimately the same. Yeah. We're looking for ideas to give money to. Sure. But just that different approach just yeah. brought in this different energy, this different yeah. level of ideas. And we kind of did an internal evaluation and looked back at um, an impact of the impact of the grants we had given over the last three years and the and the ideas that we had gotten just in the first year of this challenge. And, you know, it was a, a large difference. These were ideas that were way more innovative, um, you know, something new. It doesn't have to be, not that the things that people are working on aren't great, but, and it could just be new ways to approach some of these ideas. Sure. Um, but just looking at it in a different way. Um, they were scalable, they're sustainable. You know, we just saw a different level of impact. So we realized we need to focus on this. Um, so that leads into kind of our main project, which is what we call the OSV challenge. Um, we are just about to move into the semifinal round. Um, so we start that by, we started taking applications in early February, um, pretty simple application process. What's your idea? Tell us a little bit about yourself. What motivates you? Um, we got 650 applications. And I assume these are from all over the country, all over the country, okay, yeah. Yeah. U.S. and Canada. Um, and ultimately leads to $300,000 prizes to accelerate your idea. Um, we've grown it this year to not only, um, uh, we, I mean, we did this last year as well, but really a little, put a little bit more focus this year to not only, it's not just a contest with a prize at the end, as you develop through there, we give seed money. So as we move into this semifinal round, these 25 semifinalists are going to get an amount of money to help them accelerate into the next round. So if, you know, if they're, a lot of these are brand new ideas, mm -hmm. so they may not have a website yet. And yeah. so a lot of times we're looking for them to kind of start to be able to pitch their idea and sure. they don't have the resources yet. So we're going to help them along the way. Um, and we've partnered, we partnered last year with Notre Dame this year with a, um, a university of St. Thomas mm -hmm. out of Houston, Texas to put together a business accelerator that we put them through. So they're going to go through a six week accelerator that will help them um, really learn how to take their idea into an actual formal pitch and business plan. Oh, wow. So it's not just funding and it's providing some support to actually bring it to life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. what we don't want to do is have all these people, you know, put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into these ideas and then only three win. Yeah. Um, you know, we're also um, so we're trying to find these innovators and, and get them kind of into our tribe. But we're also looking for investors. Right. I mean, we're sure. of course, OSV is funding a, a large portion of this. Um, but we're looking for other investors. You know, if there may be something that we don't think fits quite within what we're looking to do, but you know, there could be somebody within the state that this this idea came from that's looking to fund things as well. If we can make that connection, perfect, right? We're just again, we're just looking. There's a lot of good ideas out there. Yeah, we're just looking for how to bring them to surface and get them to be successful. Yeah. So so going back to the rebranding effort, how did you? How did you pull that off? You can walk through without giving anything proprietary away, obviously. How did you get that done? What did the process look like? Um, we sat and so this new team, right? We're, we've been together now at this point. We did this late in um, 2020. So we've been together for about six months. Um, you know, kind of Matt and I came in and learned what we learned. We sat in um, a room in Huntington for about two days and did just what I talked about. Well, you know, what we plan to do is just, we just got on a whiteboard and we just went through a strategic, you know, sprint meeting of here's where we're at. I told you we did that impact review. Mm -hmm. Here's what's working. How do we shift to focus on this? What should we do? And, you know, um, we really just decided this idea of innovation is just something 
that let's just bring it to the surface. Let's not, you know, try to do it. Let's just go all in. Mm -hmm. Let's do a rename. Let's focus on it. And and it's not that it's um, something we came up with, right? There are a lot of innovative people. And I think that's one of the reasons we brought it to the surface. I think a lot of times the word just scares people. They think they're not innovators. So what we're trying to do is just find that in everyone. Everyone's got great ideas. Sure. And, you know, I mentioned um, um, Archbishop Noel started the company with just Let's try a new way to get this out. Yep. That's how the company started. So it's at our core. Yeah. So it makes sense. So it led into, it started to um, it really just fall into place as we started to write things down and set the values and set what our new mission would be. It just all seemed it started to fall into place. And, you know, then it got into kind of the practicalities of it. We need to change the website. We need to change yep. the logo. We need sure. to do PR. I yep. mean, you know all the the standard um, process and we we did that and to launch this early this year yeah so so that's that's a lot you're hiring someone you just did a rebranding you're launching this contest anything else that's taken up a lot of your headspace or a lot of your time yeah so that's one um and, and, you know what as i kind of hinted toward one of the things this challenge is just a piece of it we're trying to kind of create this ecosystem so as i mentioned a tribe of um uh, kind of a three-tiered tribe of innovators. So these people that are coming up with ideas on a regular basis, let's get them in, let's help them. Um, we're also looking for mentors and coaches. There are also people that maybe started, now they're successful, mm-hmm. let's get them helping these new yep. these new ideas, and then investors. So we've got that group of people. So we're kind of creating with along with that this ecosystem, right? So the challenge is a means for to get your idea from uh, you know a napkin to a business. Yep. We also are trying to inspire that. So another big project we're working on is something we're calling OSV Talks. Okay. Um, very similar to TED Talks, mm-hmm. but just from prominent Catholic leaders around mm-hmm. the country. Just you know, doing something very similar to TED style is just questioning why are we doing it this way? There may be new ways, or, or you know, just kind of inspiring, yeah. stirring up discussion um, about just to get people to think differently. And ultimately, what that you know we kind of complete that circle of maybe one of the, you know, the kind of the ideal scenario would be somebody watches one of these talks, gets an idea, decides to do something with it. We've got an avenue for them to do something with it. It becomes successful. Then they become one of our mentors. Yeah. Um, And then as we're we're also doing capacity grants for some of these, you know, companies that we're going to start off and they become successful, you know, if, if we see them continuing to be successful and continue to have impact, we're going to do capacity grants as well. So then, you know, you can see, then they can start to, some of these people then could give one of our talks and sure. we just kind of comp- continually going through that circle. So is, is the talk series, has that launched and are there examples out there that people could listen to? Yes. Or is that yeah. okay? OSVtalks.com. Right. There are um, I think if I'm right on the number, there are 16 or 17 oh, wow. I'm getting ready to launch. So currently okay. we are launching them um, kind of I'm launching them almost like a product release mm-hmm. on a monthly basis. Um, but we just recorded a new wave and we're going to be releasing those here in a couple months. So okay. there's a lot of great ones. It's, you know, um, take a look if it's a, if it's not, you know, if it's a topic that interests you. There's a, we've got a, a lot of different categories within them, but they're they're. Really well done. They're beautifully produced. We work with a company um, out of the Chicago area called ODB Films, mm-hmm. um, who's produced uh, Full of Grace, Paul the Apostle, so some um, some feature films. So they're beautifully produced. Um, uh, something a little different, actually, that the the COVID pandemic did is we the idea was to have conferences with an audience and yep. and film these similar to what TED does. Um, we did that once, and then we couldn't have conferences yeah, anymore. Yeah. So this has turned into an in-studio production value um, recording 
And it's interesting. It's giving it kind of a new style and we really like it. And you can be a little bit more creative with camera angles and, and yeah. the set rather than it being on a stage and having to worry about the lighting for audience and everything. We can really focus on the speaker. So it's, it's really focused on the speaker and, and you know, the, the passion that it comes through as they're giving these talks. So as it evolves, do you see yourself going back to the conference format or you think you're going to stick with? I think we may do a blend. It's yeah. a conversation we're having right now. I think it's probably not only for that, but just I think we're all having this conversation, right? What do you do around conferences? We're actually doing our first conference this year. We're going to blend between hybrid and in-person, but I think we may do both. I think that what we may do is some focus studio mm -hmm. and then maybe kind of dual purpose some. So if we have a conference, we have a great speaker, let's set it up and record it. Sure. Um, but we'll see. I think, you know, there's something that we like about the in-studio um, and, you know, and it, it gives... Uh, that gives the speaker kind of a little bit of different feel for presenting and they can really focus in on this topic and not the audience. Yeah, so it, it yeah. gives it an interesting, different perspective. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's kind of a happy accident. Yeah, then, exactly. How it worked out. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to shift to the speed round of the show. <laughs> and this is where I ask you three questions that are, are more direct, um, maybe lead to more concise answers, although the answers don't have to be concise. Um, we talked a little bit about your career path. What's the best lesson that you've learned in building a successful career? You know, you, you have young kids, so maybe it's something you would tell them. Maybe it's something you would tell your team members. Maybe it's something you wish you knew 20 years ago. What's the thing you've learned that you think is most worth sharing about building a career path? Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump away from anything specific to marketing. I think you mentioned marketing, you know, as, as a career, but I really think that kind of the best advice is just, be be easy and willing to work with mm -hmm. be, you know to with people i think that as um as i manage a team and as i i talk with colleagues i think i kind of hear a trend of there's two things that people complain about they're either too busy or dealing with certain people mm -hmm. right so don't be that person yeah i mean you can go a long way just by having good relationships yep and and being willing to help people being willing to um try new ideas when other people have yeah. ideas willing to listen to those ideas you know, willing to pick up the phone. I mean, I think that there's a, that can go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of my um, mantras is be useful. And I think some of that is just being agreeable that sure. you're not a speed bump on the road to progress. You're yeah. helping other people's ideas come to fruition, even if that means just lifting a heavy box to get to, exactly. to get it. Or at least yeah. be open to it. I mean, I think there's a lot, and, and this is kind of in the, just the innovation spirit that we're trying to do. Cause we're also trying to, you know, um, walk the talk a little bit. We do this as we work. We're always thinking of new ideas. We're mm -hmm. not, you know, those two projects. I mean, you would laugh at how many new ideas come up every week in our conversations of what we should be trying. Yeah. Um, but I think that's just something you need to do. Yeah. Right. And and like you, like you just said, just be open. If people come to you with new ideas, be open to to at least trying it and helping them or giving them the means to to pursue it. Yep. Yep. Good advice. All right. Second question. If you had to, <laughs> this is going to be a tough one, but if you had to sum up your organization in a quick phrase, uh, you're obviously still getting your arms around it, but how would you sum up, what would you say if you had 30 to 60 seconds? Yeah. I mean, when I you say your organization, I'm going to talk about the Institute. I think, you know, kind of the, the elevator pitch for what we're doing is creating this ecosystem of Catholic innovation to just impact the church so that people can just realize the truth and beauty of the Catholic church. All right. Well said. So let me digress here for a second. You know, how, how much of that is an attempt to overcome perceptions that 
the Catholic Church is stodgy and, and conservative and sort of stuck in its ways. Is that is that something that y- you talk about directly or is it not a factor in all this? Um, I don't think we talk about it directly. It comes up. Mm-hmm. I think more so it's to bring light to that fact that, yeah. that you know, there are so many new things yeah. that people are trying. I think, you know, anyone, and including myself, is amazed at how many different ministries and apostles are out there just trying to do new things. Mm-hmm. Um and like with anything else in an organization, you know, as large as the Catholic Church, it's hard to move a big ship. Yeah, for sure. Um, but there are a lot of people trying and, and and not that, you know, not that it's wrong by any means. There are, you know, there's like you said, there's a lot of different perceptions. But again, there's new things that are trying. There's new things that are happening that, again, are at a local. Um, they just don't see you may not notice. But I think mostly we're just trying to bring light and always keeping within the magisterium of everything, right? We're not going off of anything mm-hmm. that the Catholic Church Church teaches. But again, just finding what are those new ways of helping spread that word. Yeah, and it's shining a light on what's already happening and, yeah. and letting that, you know, be amplified a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and just, again, helping it become successful, right? I, a lot of people have good ideas and just don't know what to do with them. Yeah. We're trying to be that avenue. Yeah. Well, the the, the last question I want to ask you, and, and you may be the the one of the better people to answer this because of how you started your job. You know, we, we, we started this podcast, I used to ask people about resilience as we were in the midst of the pandemic, but now I talk about, you know, the lessons we've learned from it and what we're taking away from that. So what's something you learned either on the job, doesn't have to be, it could be personally, over the past 14 or so months that you think will stick with you, that you think is a, you know, is a worthy lesson from the pandemic? From the pandemic. So I don't mean to keep going back to this theme, but you can tell one of the things we do at the Institute is live the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that one of the things that I've, we've learned from the pandemic, which was all a coincidence, um, you know, maybe maybe a sign from God that this is what we should be doing, but it's just to be innovative. I think that, you know, and I've even found myself as I look back in the, in the past jobs, um, you know, even being in the creative field, you get comfortable in what you're doing. Yeah. We don't do that right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, it's always like, always, what can we do better? What could yeah. we do? How do we do different? Oh, we should try this. Let's try this. And we're always doing it. And it's high pace and it's fast, but it's fun. Yeah. And it really leads to learning as you do more and more of that learning, what's worth pursuing and what's not worth, you know, what's worth leaving alone. Yeah. And you really learn what's working, what isn't working if you just keep trying. So I think that that's something I've learned during this pandemic and, and on, you know, specific to the pandemic is. How are we going to work from home and make this yeah. work? How do we have a Teams meeting and make it, you know, um, comfortable for everybody and, and make it similar to a face-to-face meeting as much as possible? Um, um, you know, just the world has done that in general and during yeah. this pandemic. It's just you have to come up with new ways to do things. So so as, as someone who works for an organization with innovation in the name – how do you foster innovation in an organization? What are some of the tips? And I know that this is not a question I prepared you for, so yeah, feel, no. feel free to say it's, that you're no, going to pass. No, it's but, a good question. It's actually yeah. one that we're pursuing at the moment. So, yeah. you know, OSV, um, also very innovative. They are, you know, it's a much larger organization than what we're doing with the yeah, Institute with sure. our four people. Um, and, and we've thought of that. And it actually thinking of the success of what we've done outside, one of the ideas we've thrown around is doing a challenge internally yeah. where we focus the employees to think about what's something the company should be doing different. Um, and, you know, we've thrown around ideas of, you know, if whichever idea wins, they get a certain amount of time to dedicate to that. And let's yep. see if we can really turn it into something. Um, 
but but it's a great question. It's what we're trying to figure out right now. And I think a lot of times, um, I think we learn, and I'm a, I, I remember this from past jobs, is that again, there's no lack of ideas. A lot of times it's resources and what to do with them and how to get them off the ground. So, yeah. I, you know, I, it's, it's something we're still dealing with. I think everyone is. It's just, you know, um, how do you take these ideas that everyone has, bring them to the light of day, and then decide which ones are worth pursuing? Yeah, well, and, and part of the genius of it in my mind is that one of the best ways to become innovative and to be inspired is to surround yourself with a people who are innovative and who have great ideas. So you kind of bake that into the model. Yes, of course. And of I'm course. sure yeah, some of that definitely a culture over. thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jason, this has been great. Thank you so much for sharing your time and sharing your story with us. I appreciate your time and I appreciate everyone who took the time to listen to this week's episode. We'll be back next time with another great guest and we hope you'll join us then.